Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Gym Class All-Stars. As always, we're sponsored by the sports betting app, Vigit. Bet fake coins, win real prizes, what's not to love. Sign up today using our referral code All-Stars and get 3,000 coins and, you know, help support the show. All right. So, as always, we're back for another week, you know, talk about sports. You know, just how much we labor for all of you who listen. Poor old Robbie here. Whatever reason, this microphone does not want to cooperate. We spent probably 15 minutes trying to troubleshoot it. And lo and behold, all it took was doing something we didn't think would work. We took his headphones and plugged it into the mic. And, you know, it seems to be working. It's a very scuffed setup by any means, but uh, it works. And, you know, Robbie's on the verge of not breaking his microphone, which is also good because we don't have the budget for another mic. So welcome back. Yeah, no, it's good for for the full on update. So far, my my headphones are plugged into the microphone, but I'm not wearing them because the audio is coming out of my computer rather than the headphones. I really don't know what to tell you at this point, but but we're here. Everything's in one piece so far and might even stay that way. Who knows? So far, so good, surprisingly. But uh, I know I don't know what your perception of me is, but I know I studied mechanical engineering and, you know, you may if. You know, not to toot my own horn, you may think I'm smart, but electrical engineering concepts beyond me. So this stuff, I'm surprised it worked. I guess giving my degree in EE, who knows? But uh, enough about engineering and rambling. We're going to talk about football, but not the football you're here for. College football first. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. So this weekend was full of upsets, and I think what better place to start than Robbie's home state? Battle of the two crosstown rivals, Iowa State, number nine ranked in the country at the time, versus number 10, Iowa. Went to Ames, Iowa, to play, so I was away, and they went in and absolutely shellacked Iowa State. So, clap for that. I know, despite the fact you don't go to Iowa anymore, still, you know, you refer the Hawkeyes. Oh, we're, we're still in the Hawkeye State. We're still living in, in the college area, so... We're, we we still root for the Hawkeyes. This is in fact a Hawkeye state, and they absolutely just tore apart Iowa State. I mean, it was only a ten point victory, so it wasn't wasn't anything major in terms of final score. But Iowa was in control and in command the entire game. There was no question about it. And that defense is one of the best. And this has bumped Iowa up to number five in the nation. Do I think it's a little high? Sure. Perhaps. <laughs> Am I very proud to rep it? Absolutely. Oh, so, you, you have to be. It's the most exciting thing since Luca Garza was here just, you know, a few months ago at this point. So exciting stuff by any means, but also it was sort of expected, not because of like Iowa State's record against Iowa. You know, that's irrelevant, clearly. Bad, though. It is bad. However, a team called the Cyclones wasn't going to be a team called the Hawkeyes, plain and simple. It's the Hawkeye State, not the Cyclones State. Cyclone that's offensive. State. What does that even mean? It means tornadoes great so that was the first one and that was probably the most we'll call it minor upset because it could have went either way i was it, it was, was two, favored two high quality teams but yeah in terms of of like upset it was really just an upset in terms of ranking yeah i guess the other one we should go to because this was another ranked matchup i was watching this game oregon versus ohio state oregon went into ohio and Came away with a victory, a hard-fought one, but they, were the, for the most part, were in control. They 
their defense was stifling to this Ohio State team. And I believe it's Ryan Day's first regular season loss, which is insane to say. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 35-28 came down to one, one final score. But, yeah, Oregon came in. They played with confidence. They played with poise. And they, they punched Ohio State in the gut. And as, as an avid Hawkeye and Wolverine fan, that feels very good as a spectator. Plus, I'm sorry, but at this point, we need someone other than Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State to be in this college playoff. And an early season loss like that to a quality opponent could be helpful in terms of kicking Ohio State out of that coveted four. You know, they're not expanding it quite yet. So we'll see what that, if that loss really carries any weight at this point. But for now, Oregon, big dub there. And then we had three unranked teams defeating top 25 teams. Let's start with the lowest of seeds. That would be 21 Utah being upset by unranked BYU 26-17. You think this is going to knock Utah out of the top 25? Yeah. I mean, they're, they are one of those teams who, despite the fact they're in the Pac-12, if they were to lose a game, and maybe they'll be at the cusp, but they're one of those teams that has a pretty short leash. They're not Clemson. They're not Georgia. They're not Alabama. So once they lose, they're kind of going to be out of the top 25 unless they like get pick up some quality wins. So I think they'll be pushed out of it. If not this week, well, I, I think they'll be cusp 25 team, like 25 through 30. Sure. Sure. Next on the docket, Arkansas topping number 15, Texas. What was the term you used before? A shellacking? A shellacking. 40 to 21, this one. What in the world happened to Texas? Plain and simple. Texas is not a good football program, Robbie. They're not a good anything program. They are soft. And that is purely based on the fact that they refuse to let any opponent do horns down. Purely based off that. That is soft. That is weak. And despite the fact they refuse to let other people do horns down because it's disrespectful, they continue to have a cheer that's a little offensive to Native, Native Americans that uh, people have been pushing not. back on. Yep. Yeah, big fan when Texas loses, so no, no complaints on that one there. And then probably the biggest upset of the weekend was unranked Stanford coming into California and beating USC 42 to 28 and if I'm not mistaken got them a coach fired just absolutely tearing the 14th best team in the nation a new one USC has a lot to do to recover from a loss like this yeah but they go through those phases every few years or so like they'll have you know they'll do well in the Pac-12 they may win it they'll do well go to a bowl game you win that but every few years or so something creeps in where they just have one of those bad seasons. It's like Michigan, but less consistent. Sorry, but it's the truth. You're right. So every, every now and again, they have something like that. Like when uh, P. Carroll left, they had a season where it was kind of like not so good. And they do it at probably every like five, six years. So I think this is their down year. What's funny is though, two coaching candidates were immediately thrown, you know, at USC one of them being Cliff Kingsbury, who, if you don't know, 
got the USC job. I don't believe coached a game was there for probably like 30 days and uh, left to pursue other things. I believe at Texas tech. I think so. <laughs> the other one too. And this is even funnier, which we'll get to later on our update. Urban Meyer was named thrown in there. And I find it hilarious how Jags fans are already done with Urban Meyer and it's been one game. None of those guys will actually end up coaching there. Urban Meyer, if he does that, I think his heart will actually give out this time. That's a running not a gag. That's kind of just the truth. So, yeah, fun week of football. It's only week two. We're getting some upsets. But, yeah, this raises the question. If not Ohio State, who else? And Notre Dame is kind of in that conversation. Unfortunately, they, all, they almost Ooh. lost this past week in Toledo. They're still undefeated, though. They're ranked highly. Their team, I could see if they win out in – well, they're independent, but, like, I guess they play the ACC. If they could win a lot of those games, including beating Clemson, that's a team that could sneak in there, especially for a four-team playoff. The other one, obviously, is Georgia. Georgia beat Clemson. Not that they're, like, anything different. They've been in the college football playoff, but a newer team. They're always hit or miss. You know, they're a tough I mean, division. At this point in time, I, I hope my bias doesn't poke through too much here. The other team to watch would be the Iowa Hawkeyes because sure. the team that ends up winning the Big Ten, if it's not Ohio State, that's going to be a new team, right? We haven't seen another team from the Big Ten. We Wisconsin made it one year, but they got, I think, but they got, or even if they didn't, they, they didn't make it past the first round. You know, nothing significant. The Hawkeyes haven't been there before. It'd be a nice change of pace. Plus, if you're not from this area, how funny would it be to see Iowa get absolutely destroyed by Alabama in <laughs> instead, instead of Notre Dame? Yeah. Um, the one year I can recall was the year Baker Mayfield was in his last year in Oklahoma. It was mm-hmm. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia. Because that year, I mean, mixing up the years, one of them, Ohio State didn't win the Big Ten. It was Penn State's. But they had lost to Michigan, and then Michigan also lost to Ohio. It was this weird yep. everyone lost to each other, yep. and they this. thought, like, you know, either team should make it in. And I may be messing up those years. It may be, I no, may I be, think you're right. But, yeah. So, we could get one of those snares, but the Big Ten winner is always a candidate, especially if they stay undefeated. Actually, yes. guaranteed if they stay undefeated. I stay undefeated or only have one loss. That's, that's the big – those are the big marquees. The guarantee is if they're undefeated, but yeah, one loss is like, they have to be heavily considered. Yes. hundred percent. All right. That's it for college football for now. Like we mentioned only week two. So we're moving into the third week. So plenty of news to come and plenty of upsets still, still awaiting in, in the schedule for before the college playoff is officially decided, but we'll keep you updated on all, all the exciting news in college football. We have just one little bit for, baseball here today and that is that the toronto blue jays have caught absolute fire they are eight and two in their last 10 and are currently sitting as the fourth seed the first wild card in the american league they have passed both the red Sox and the yankees own a half game lead on them both who are you know respectively tied for the fifth seed then the yankees holding that tiebreaker right now does toronto have what it takes to maintain this momentum throughout the rest of this last month and hold out and make this playoff uh, playoff push complete, or are they going to fall short? I hope so. I really do, because 
one, this guarantees a few things. First and foremost, Toronto plays the Yankees to end September. That sort of positioning right there, they'll both be competitive and in the running for that wild card. To me, that means I'm going to see Toronto versus New York in the Rogers Center, barring I can get past security in like <laughs> border customs. So gym class all-stars excursion temporarily, fingers crossed. <sighs> but I, I think they do. Vlad Jr. is now the league leader in home runs. They're on a tear. I think they're young, scrappy, determined. I mean, Toronto has not been good. I wouldn't even say the Roy Halladay era because he was great, but I don't think they were that good either. They've been in tough division. They have a young up-and-coming team. I think this is the year that they hold on. I don't know about the success in the playoffs, but, yeah, I I could see them getting in, just sneaking by. Who's the five seed, Boston or New York? I would say New York. I think what's going to happen is that series at the end of the year is going to solidify both teams in the wild card. They're going to play their three-game series, you know, do whatever, and then they're going to play that fourth game in Toronto, and that's going to be, you know, who gets the four seed. Very fair, very fair. I, I'll probably also say New York, to be honest. Something about it just feels like this is their year for Boston. Boston had that early lead and kind of blew it. So, I don't know. But I, I also think Toronto is going to hold on and maybe not necessarily be the four seed, the, like the first wild card, but I think they're going to be one of the two. They, they were they really just came on in the second half of the season. They're pitching especially. I mean, Robbie Ray, Stephen Matz, uh, Alec Manoa, they have all just been killing it of late. That, that's one thing that I have a little bit of concern with the Blue Jays about. They have a great core, especially in the field. They're pitching, like you said, they've come on the past, the latter half of the season, but not really that superstar pitcher you're looking for. You don't have a Nola. You don't have a, a sorry, Garrett Cole. You don't have that guy who is like, I bring him in. In theory, we should win, barring a good like pitching job from him. So that's my only concern, but I think the team makes up for it in offense and especially like tenacity. So I'm going to root for Toronto and, you know, maybe we'll take an excursion there. Well, the, the one other thing though, Roger Setter being one of the few domes in the country, that place gets a loud oh, and sure. something about the energy there that could feed off. I, the Yankees could be a very demoralized team playing there especially if they're playing for their playoff life so be on the lookout for that should be a good game if they end up in the wild card matchup we love a good demoralized new york franchise <laughs> all right that's it for baseball phillies are have essentially blown it we don't need to talk about them it's disappointing no nope, nope, they're done I, I'm, I'm so sick of them they had it's, the easiest schedule in the world and they blew every game awful we're awful despicable Let's talk about basketball, the little bit that there is at this point, deep in the offseason at this point, not much going on these few weeks for the NBA, but a little bit. Uh, we knew the Lakers were going to have to clear up some roster spots after a lot of the signings and tradings that they made these past few weeks. So Mark Gasol, as some could have potentially guessed, has been traded to Memphis and then effectively waived. This was the team he really made his career with, and they're kind of honoring his decision to stay in Spain. He's going to play overseas there, but he really is just doing it to stay with his family at this point. 
Gasol, maybe not a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's going to be a basketball Hall of Famer based off of his NBA pedigree plus his his uh, play for Spain and in Spain. And he's going to get to play maybe not alongside his brother, but in the same league as his brother again. And I'm sure that's something he also really considered uh, when he asked whatever team he was going to get traded to to, to waive him. Um, so for Memphis, they end up bringing in a, an extra, I think, 2024 second round pick. So just some extra draft capital. Lakers obviously freeing up roster spots for, for uh, I think, probably Rajon Rondo at this point. And Gasol, kind of the win-win, gets to be with his family and effectively retire from the NBA unless somebody offers him a lot of money and a, champ- and a hope for a championship. All right. Speaking of future Hall of Famers, the 2021 Hall of Fame class was inducted this past week. I think just yesterday, two days ago, maybe. <clears throat> um, we're just going to kind of list off some of the headliners from this class. So you've got uh, Chris Weber played famously with the, the Kings, the Sixers, and a few other uh, the Pistons, I believe. Tony Kukoc, the Bulls, the Sixers. Ben Wallace with the Pistons. Chris Bosh, the Raptors, and, and those years on, in the big three with the Heat. Paul Pierce, Washington, Boston, Brooklyn, LA. I like how that's his most noteworthy thing. It's he was on Washington <laughs> first, not I, Boston. I had to disrespect the Celtics. You know I did. That's fair. Um, Paul Pierce, though, Hall of Famer. Bob Dandridge played with the Bucks, And then, okay, you, you, you may think I'm reporting something from a long time ago, but Bill Russell got inducted in the Hall of Fame for the second time <laughs> as a coach this time. Um, very, time. very rare feat to make it as both a player and a coach. Bill Russell, though, one of the, one of the all-time great basketball just people, just in yeah. general for the game, what he's done at every level in every way. Um, it's a great way to honor that that man is he's already been given the lifetime award in basketball there's not really many more awards this man can win he has the most amount of championships in NBA history what more can you say about Bill Russell 13 if you throw in what he did as a coach I like it well yeah congrats to all of those hall of famers I don't have a problem with any of those headliners you talked about all well deserved I mean Ku coach is the one that maybe people would be like oh but he was behind Jordan, he was behind Pippen, he was behind Rodman even. Uh, what I do have to say to that, he had a very good NBA career, but also like don't discount his overseas play. Mm-hmm. That was something very important. He played a few years before coming to the Bulls. If you haven't heard about that, definitely watch The Last Dance where Michael Jordan bullied him in the 92 Olympics, literally. And yeah, so I have no problem with them. Even Paul Pierce, who we like to slander every now and again. Dude still is a Hall of Famer. I know. NBA it's hard Final to say. MVP. I mean, you can't knock on Paul Pierce too, too terribly much. You can't. No, it will. That was, that was Brian Scalabrini. Oh, genius. MVP. Just Absolutely. if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Brian Scalabrini's 08 Finals interview. It's one of the best. It's one of the, the funniest and probably most true interviews after a final I've ever seen in my life. He's not wrong. Definitely look that up. Just, just for the memes regardless. Um, but no, you mentioned Tony Kukoc and his overseas play. Um, it, that's important because I think sometimes people, uh, fans forget that unlike most other sports, there is no NBA hall of fame. It is the basketball hall of fame. You get enshrined at every level. So that's, that's NBA, that's college, that's overseas. 
that's everything. It is one big hall of fame. So a guy like Tony, Tony Kukoc may not have made it based off of his NBA career, but you couple a successful NBA career along with a very successful overseas career and Olympic career. You have to, you have to put that guy in. So shout out to Tony Kukoc, my boy, Chris Bosh winning those two chips with the Miami heat, big, those, those two huge blocks and one of the greatest rebounds in finals history. So big, big happy on that one. Uh, shout out to all those guys, though. Fantastic, well deserved to every single one, including including Paul Pierce, who I slander quite a bit here. Um, everybody just well, very well deserved, and I, I'm excited to see who makes it in next year. All right, and now for essentially the rest of the show, we are talking about the, the beautiful NFL. We're back. Week one is now complete. We waited until every game was completed to record this this episode this week as we wanted to give you the full rundown of week one and what to expect in week two we will start with our recap of the thursday night game between the tampa bay buccaneers defending super bowl champions and the dallas cowboys the return of dak prescott who might i say looked like he was doing just fine he didn't didn't start a little bit like oh we don't know and then starts to get the pass with cd lamb and Amari cooper going and he looked just fine However, despite a valiant effort by the Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay was able to sneak away with the victory on on an uh, end of the game field goal attempt. I believe the final score thirty one to twenty nine. Um, what were what were your big takeaways from the first game of the season? There are a few. First of all, Father Time has not caught up to Tom Brady quite yet. We saw that. Uh, the other thing on the Buck side, if Antonio Brown is eighty percent of what he was in the Steelers no one is going to stop the Buccaneers. That's terrifying. Mike Evans, you could have put an ABV for him. Nowhere to be found the entire game. He had a few targets. I think he had like one or two catches. Not much at all. But even so, Gronkowski, Chris Godwin had a few good catches. AB, plenty of of talent from just the wide receiving core. Um. Ronald Jones had a fumble. He looked okay. Leonard Fournette was meh. He bobbled a ball. It turned into a pick. And then Brady had a pick at the end of like half, just Hail Mary heave that got picked off. So take those stats with a grain of salt in terms of his interceptions because he had, he had two of them. And I'd say neither of them were his fault. I mean, the Hail Mary, sure, but that's also like, why not? The Cowboys side, interesting stuff. Dak Prescott started off very shaky. He is definitely still has a shoulder injury that was briefly talked about on Thursday Night Football. Definitely a little bit of lingering injuries. He didn't see himself, especially to start the game, bit of accuracy issues. Fine. Zeke Elliott, nowhere to be found. I don't know why they're paying him $18 million a year to just sit and look pretty. CeeDee Lamb looked all right. People were very much ready to just crown him the next best tight or sorry, next best wide receiver in the league after like three catches. And dropped a couple. He did drop a couple. No one wanted to acknowledge that. No, Mark Cooper had a great game. 15 targets. Yeah. I don't know. There was that one catch where Dak Prescott threw it in perfectly, passed the defender, and he caught it. And everyone's like, CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver one. And I'm like, Pump the brakes a bit. Let's talk about their real wide receiver one, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper played phenomenal. Great game from him. The one thing I will say, Cowboys defense is garbage, despite the fact they have uh, 
they've they've signed everyone to massive deals. Also, the quick news update: Demarcus Lawrence hurt himself; he's out for the season. That sounds about right. Yeah, I, it fitting, of course. He broke his foot, and well, he's not out for the season; he's out indefinitely, and that's a pretty bad injury. <laughs> uh, I will say though, we had talked about the Eagles' draft potential, like back in April. One name brought up Micah Parsons from Penn State. He's on the Cowboys now. Did not look good against the pass. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. The Cowboys core against the pass, awful. But granted, like you're dealing with a guy like Gronkowski. Still, though, they were getting beat fast. Oh, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get to how good of the pick the Eagles actually made was in, in a little bit here. But, yeah, Dallas's defense not looking very sharp to start the season, despite keeping it close but that was mostly due to the offense. Um, Dallas, though, probably still the favorites to win the NFC East, but we'll discuss that at a later date. All right, let's move into Sunday now. And let's start. We made a little bet at the start of last week's episode, right, between my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, going into your town to face your new Buffalo Bills and what started out looking pretty good for you in a 10-0 halftime score ended in a 23-6 second half as the Pittsburgh Steelers defeat the Buffalo Bills 23-16 in Buffalo. The defense, there was a massive blocked punt that really changed the tide of the game for the Steelers. Their defense, though, regardless, was phenomenal, held Josh Allen to just one touchdown, which is going to be a very rare thing that you're going to see this year. Um, and Ben Roethlisberger looked, looked comfortable. He looked a little more mobile than last year. Nothing, not mobile by any means of like Kyler Murray or something like that, but able to move around in the pocket and adjust his body and adjust his throwing arm. Deontay Johnson with an excellent catch in the end zone, showing his new hands. Um, the Steelers look good. They, they looked very solid. They looked like a team that, as I stated, I believe in our last episode or two episodes ago, that are going to shock some people. They're, they're going to be a surprise. They're going to be – we're going to get to this later on, but the Steelers are the surprise team of the year. They're, they're going to they're gonna shock a lot of people this year. Yeah. I mean, the tide really changed on that fourth and one call. That just got blown up in their face. Uh, Steelers played it well, plain and simple. They hung on the entire game. They didn't look great in the first half. Their defense is – their defense played phenomenally the entire game. TJ Watt showed why he's worth the – massive extension he got Josh Allen had a lot of accuracy issues and he missed a few deep balls he missed Emmanuel Sanders by a step I'm sure your heart almost gave out there because that's an easy touchdown regardless the Steelers played well surprisingly good uh Chase Clay pulled Deontay Johnson Juju Smith-Schuster I saw a bit Najee Harris he I don't know if he played spectacular but he put a lot of the offense on his back, did a lot of running. He did. He was very good in the short yardage situations, and he got a good work, uh, good load of the carries. I think he had about 16 carries. Yeah, yeah. Yardage was tough to come by, but th- this is a pretty stout Bills front. You know, it, it is a tough defense. Hopefully, I think they get Las Vegas next week. Um, that should be hopefully, at least hopefully give him a little more running room. Um, but that, that was probably the only downside I really saw out of the Steelers, which was, it was very nice. And I – Proudly accepted that that Venmo for ten dollars. Oh, I'm I'm glad you did because I was angry paying it. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. regardless, 
Steelers, I think people should buy into a little bit more than maybe I was leading off. Also, though, for the Bills, anyone who's high on the Bills this year, I don't think you should panic. I'm not too concerned. Like, it was a bad first game, sure, but there's – even despite all that, like, that block punt doesn't happen. It's a tie game, and mm-hmm. you have the ball at the end of the fourth quarter. I, th- I think the biggest thing for Buffalo is you got to establish some kind of a run. Um, it, it was very obvious that they were only using the run as, like, a change of pace and nothing more. I mean, Josh Allen threw 51 passes in week one. That's, yeah. that's pretty clear and obvious what you're doing as, as, as an offense. And you have some decent running backs. Zach Moss is a good red zone running back. Devin Singletary is a good lead back. Mix those two in a little more. And I, I think you're going to find the success that we all thought Buffalo was going to have. And if not, maybe, maybe move one of them and, and upgrade that at that position. I think they wanted to just go out and pass, not to say the Steelers secondary is bad by any means, but they have such a good front four and then also like great linebacking core. So I think the idea was let's just, you know, pass our way out of it. And I think the passing worked, but I think the pressure was what really got him. Like, you know, ton of holding calls, ton of sacks, you know, forced fumbles, et cetera. So not panicking. It's, you know, still a long season, obviously, but I mean, good for the Steelers. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's, let's make it feel a little better now. Let's talk about your team. The, the Philadelphia Eagles who look absolutely excellent in week one and an absolute destruction of the Atlanta Falcons in which we saw Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, the sixth overall pick in this year's draft, have their coming out parties. Hurts, an absolutely monster performance, over 250, over 300 yards? Or was it over just just 250? It was over 250. I don't think he hit 300. It it was a massive, massive game for Hurts. Three total touchdowns, I believe. And Devontae Smith, his first career touchdown, led the team in receptions, led the team in yards. I believe 78 yards he totaled sensational performance from those two young guys and that has to be exciting as an Eagles fan to see that connection that you hoped was going to be so great from from what they had in college and now get to see translate into success at the highest level yeah I mean they looked great I you know saw the Falcons march up the field to start I'm like this is where it's going you know I was watching the Bills and Eagles simultaneously so watched the kickoff return to start the game and then watch the Falcons march up field. I'm like, oh, these are going polar opposites. And uh, little do we know that that would get reversed pretty quickly. But, you know, yeah, Jalen Hurts looked great. For once in my life, I saw them throwing to their wide receivers, hitting the targets, and, you know, very well dialed up plays. I'm not going to – like, I don't think Doug Peterson's slander is right for the situation – I give Nick Sirianni all the praise. He did very well in his coaching debut. So props to him. Still a little skeptical, but props to him by any means. I want to see what they do to continue the season, but the future seems bright. Jalen Hurts looked great. And I think we've all kind of seen Carson Wentz. It was Carson Wentz's problem. So we'll get to that in a second. Falcons suck. They looked awful. They start off hot and fast, but God, they slow down. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to be bad. Like four and 13 bad. I was, if I had said that the Falcons could be a sleeper team. The, uh, I'm going to say this right now. We're going to add this to the, uh, to the list of, uh, um, time capsules. Time capsules. Sorry, the word lost on me. We're gonna add this to the list of time capsules. The Atlanta Falcons are gonna be the worst team in, in, in the NFL this year. They might win three games. 
Yeah, I can see I, it. I think Matt Ryan's done. I think he's washed up at this point. I think the loss of Julio was pretty much the last remaining bit he had. I, not to shame Calvin Ridley, but the rest of the Kyle Pitts isn't ready. I think he was a little too hyped. Um, he, he played terribly in week one. Russell Gage also played terribly in week one. Um, Mike Davis, the running back, actually did pretty well. But, yeah. but other than that, they didn't have anything going in what's usually a very potent passing game, which shows how much of that really did rely on Julio Jones. The one other thing, though, like the Eagles' defense looked quite good. Their front four, despite losing like Malik Jackson, it's they they really didn't try and upgrade. They've just used existing players. They looked very good, and I was you know Falcons didn't play well, but I was surprised how good it looked. Their secondary doesn't look terrible, which is you know promising. Things like that. There's a lot of optimism especially from me, but I'm going to hold back before I start saying prophetic things and start preaching how good the Eagles are. It's a good first win. I'm a little surprised, but also this is what I said a few weeks ago. I said they probably could beat the Falcons in some, you know, weird blowout type way and people are going to get on the bandwagon. Let's, let's pump the brakes a bit. Take it easy, but it's a nice week one win. It's it's optimistic and it's a good start, but exactly. let's, we'll see. All right. We got lots of headlines to get to. We, we also have some of the more minor games to fill in here. So Houston, no Deshaun Watson, bringing in Tyrod Taylor, plays excellently. Mark Ingram toted 26 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown as Houston ripped Jacksonville to shreds. Trevor Lawrence did not look very good in his debut and Urban Meyer already getting booed out of Jacksonville at this point. Uh, you, you, you joke about him coming back to college, but Houston, we don't expect big things from them by any means this year, but clearly they're ready to move on from Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and honestly good for Tyra Taylor for finally getting like the starting job he deserved to have, especially after what happened in Cleveland, what happened in uh, sorry, Los Angeles happy for him. He played well. It surprised me. I thought Jacksonville put up more of a fight. You know, I did say they'd win, you know, I thought it'd at least be close and really wasn't. Trevor Lawrence did not look great. Um, you know, give him some time. I mean, he played a bit in the preseason. It is week one. We'll see about him. People were very quick to dismiss him. I mean, dude's got the build to be a great quarterback. Let's give him some time. Yeah. For, for sure, but for now, rough. Not a good, rough, not a good performance by any means. Game. Seattle going into Indianapolis and looked very comfortable against the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz looked fine at best, but Russell Wilson, clearly the superior quarterback in this case, um, they, they, they tore apart the Colts. I, you know, this is a tough first matchup for Indianapolis, but this is kind of what I was warning is that the Colts both have a tough schedule and got – in my opinion, a little bit worse from last season, especially with no T.Y. Hilton. Fair. I think it's interesting, though. Like, Carson Wentz, most people said he played fine, but he did not play good until the fourth quarter when they were down and kind of needed to just pass heavy. He did not look great. Uh, you know, there's still time, obviously. He's coming off an injury, just got surgery, but I don't know. It's starting to kind of see, like, ah, maybe Carson Wentz, Maybe it was Carson once, and maybe it was the injuries. Maybe it was. Maybe. All right, back to some of the more highlight real type teams and performances. The Arizona Cardinals 
blow the wheels off of the Tennessee Titans 38 to 13, holding Derrick Henry to under 70 yards rushing and two, two standout performances from the Arizona Cardinals first quarterback, Kyler Murray with five total touchdowns did throw an interception, but other than that, no real blemishes on his fantastic performance and Chandler Jones with as many sacks as Murray had touchdowns count five sacks the Titans lineman that he kept beating tweeted out that that he's never going to let that happen to him again. Taylor, Taylor Jones has inspired him to never do that again. And now, I mean, just a killer performance from this Cardinals team who came out and showed the league exactly what they meant to by beating a high caliber AFC team and showing them that they are not to be messed around with this season. Titans stunk. Arizona played well. We'll, we'll talk a little about Arizona a little later on, but a good week one win for them. I'll, I'll reserve judgment till mm-hmm. a little bit later. For sure. For sure. You and I were texting back and forth about this one as we, we really thought Kirk Cousins was going to do everything he could to have, have a 500 record this season. Which really tried. Which, which would f- it force him to tie. And he and, he and the Vikings went to overtime with Cincinnati – but he narrowly avoided it by losing to Cincinnati by 3-27-24, I believe the final score. Joe Burrow looking solid in his return to action, the, four, the number one pick from last season who tore his ACL, looking good through two or three touchdowns. The Vikings, eh, eh, it looked okay. They looked like the Vikings. Their defense was nonsense. Dalvin Cook was their squad. They had a, a tight end score two touchdowns that, randomly sounds about right i don't know no, nothing really jumped off the page in in their performance which seems to be the trend the vikings go in these days yeah Bengals came out with a healthy joe burrow i i gotta say though i think jamar chase pulled the biggest scam on everyone when he's like oh yeah the nfl football is so much harder to catch it's harder to see and then dropped like 100 plus yards in a touchdown i think i think he scammed all of us and everyone's like oh jamar chase not good this game, you know, while the Bengals won and it's a good quality week one win for the Bengals, I don't know. They were up in the fourth quarter. They sort of blew that lead, descended over time, kind of went back and forth and then kicked a field goal to win. I'm optimistic about them. They're in a tough division. Obviously, we'll have like pretty tough schedule. Joe Burrow, though, showing signs that he's a winner. And I think that's important. I agree. I agree. Burrow's starting to establish himself as as an, a veteran NFL quarterback now. Also, though, year. Mike Zimmer will be fired by the end of the season. He'll I would gone. certainly hope so. We'll see, though. We'll see. Vikings love to make lots of questionable calls. Uh, again, scattering in some of these unexciting games. Carolina and New York, uh, that's the Jets, did some battle. 19-14 Carolina wins. McCaffrey looked completely healthy that was the big takeaway from that game Sam Darnold getting his revenge on the Jets who sent him away this offseason and uh, Zach Wilson to be honest did not look great in his debut so lots of work for the Jets <laughs> still moving forward Kenny Abo didn't play Jets don't look good terrible but I think the caveat too we do expect all these first overall pick or sorry first first round pick QBs that are supposed to be franchise quarterbacks to come out and immediately just light it up you know, we were fortunate with Joe Burrow last year where he immediately got in, wasn't winning games, but was exciting for the Bengals. We do have to give him a little bit of time. 
not to say like, oh yeah, give them five years and you know, by year six, they should be pretty good. Like I think it's a little bit too much, but give them a little bit to get used to the flow. I mean, NFL is obviously faster, better competition, but Zach Wilson did not look great. Kind of followed a trend with most of the first round picks this year for the quarterback position. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how he does. No, we're, we're not casting permanent judgments in week one of their rookie season. We're merely just perpetuating this idea that they suck. That way, when they do suck, we'll be, we were first. To we were right. Exactly. We were right. We're always all right. We're never wrong. Never wrong. Never wrong. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks who maybe didn't necessarily overperform, but also didn't necessarily underperform, Mac Jones and the Patriots did battle with the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins coming away victorious 20 to 16. Neither quarterback looking overly impressive. N- nobody did did poor. I only I think the only interception was on Tua's part. Um, but I also don't think either quarterback top two hundred yards. Uh, neither running back did insanely well between Gaskin and uh, Damian Harris. Pretty ugly game all around. But again, it's the start of the young career for Mac Jones, and it's it's this idea of can the Dolphins continue the success they had last year. The defense did pretty well in this, in this game, holding the Patriots under 20 points. Um, but again, this idea of nothing really jumped off the page for the Dolphins. We'll see what they can do with their playmakers of, of Gaskin and Devontae Parker, but Mike Gusecki, that's that breakout year he had, not a catch in week one. Tough to see. We'll see what they can do moving forward. But for now, I would be a little worried if I was a Dolphins fan, even after a win like that. I agree. They didn't look great. I honestly, it's weird enough. I think there's optimism for the Patriots because they played reasonably well. Uh, it's that's, that's a weird thing to say, especially since they lost. But if Bill Belichick's upset about how the team played and you lost by four points to a team that should have beat you, despite, you know, the Patriots being favored, which was bizarre. I think there's, you know, room for improvement, obviously, but that's optimism, especially, unfortunately, in Boston and New England. So, but yeah, I agree. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be as good as we think they will be. And it goes to show Tua once again in a victory, 150 yards. We're getting to that point, like, okay, all the people who are like tank for Tua go, you know, kick rocks. Like, it's not a... You're he's a miss, swing and a miss. Hey, you, you whiff on him every once in a while. He was an Alabama quarterback, you had to take the chance, but sure, not, not looking like it so far. One of the more surprising finishes in week one the New Orleans Saints blew the absolute wheels off of the Green Bay Packers. What was it, 38 to three or something? Oh, like yeah, that? some absolute monster of a game. Jameis Winston was held under 200 yards, but had. Five touchdown passes. Yep. Rodgers, Adams, both of them looked terrible. We even saw some some Jordan Love action because it just wasn't looking good. There was no reason to keep Rodgers in that game. Uh, before we get to the success of the Saints, is this just one big scam from Aaron Rodgers? Is this just his way to ruin the Green Bay Packers in his last season? I kind of want to say yes. He looked awful. And I don't know, like, I don't think he played in the preseason. If he did, he played very minimally. Maybe it's a little bit of rust, but ugh, he did not look good whatsoever. And 
I okay. I know for most people, it's like you want the quarterback to win a Super Bowl and go out on top. And Peyton Manning did that. You know, obviously, there's options that Tom Brady could do that, considering how often he wins. I mean, Jerome Bettis is another example. I assume this is Aaron Rodgers' last year, and if it's not, it's his last year on the Packers for sure. But I think the idea is win a championship, retire right off in the sunset. There is a chance you finish last in your division with how your team looked. Your defense is always terrible. You have you to make up for it, and you put three points up against the Saints. They have a decent defense, but you're still Aaron Rodgers. I think it's a scam. I also think, though, by week three, we're going to have, you know, pissed off Aaron Rodgers is going to just light up the scoreboard. And if he doesn't by week three, they're going to finish in last. Plain and simple. So let, let me throw something out on the table. Go here. for it. Remember how Brett Favre's career ended? He was like the greatest quarterback in Packers history. He did everything he possibly could except for win multiple Super Bowls. And then he kind of like fizzles out. They didn't really do the best. And he, his last pass on the Packers was an interception before he retires. And then he like kind of comes back twice and he just kind of like is okay. He's not awful, but he still just can't really break out of this mold. Like what if, what if that's what's about to happen to Aaron Rodgers? What if Aaron Rodgers is about to have a not very successful last year in Green Bay and he's going to be unsatisfied with how his career ended. Cause you're right. It would be awesome for a guy like that, that the, the pedigree he has to ride off into the sunset, but what happens when that doesn't happen? And then he wants it to, and he decides, well, I'm done with green Bay. What if I go to like, you know, Brett Favre went to the Vikings. Well, what if I go to something stupid like Houston or somewhere like that? And it's, he still doesn't, he continues to not find that success. And then I'm not trying to say Brett Favre got tarnished in any way by the end of his career, but like, it wasn't a great look. And that could be the case because Rodgers is one of the guys we talk about when we talk about who the next best quarterbacks of all time are next to Brady behind Brady, but this could kind of get ugly for him. You know, this is one week. It, it was one week, mm-hmm. but you uh, got to be prepared for this. Yeah. There's a few things to that. So even when Brett Favre was kind of in that murky waters, he did go to the Vikings and led him to the NFC championship. Granted went out on a pretty bad interception, but, you know, still do this thing. I mean, it's a possibility that he goes to another team. But you're right. His legacy does get tarnished because you have a few examples of great QBs who went to different teams and had immediate success. Peyton Manning on the Broncos, Tom Brady in the Bucks, And there's, you know, a ton of different examples. But you know, right there, even Montana and the Chiefs didn't win a Super Bowl, but went to the AFC Championship with them. There's a lot you could do there. So, yeah, his legacy will be tarnished. My mom will hate him because my mom, when Brett Favre was retiring, you know, my mom, who follows sports casually, basically just makes sure my dad and I don't have a heart attack watching sports. She was upset that Brett Favre just wouldn't retire, wouldn't pick it. And I remember when I was uh, been like 10 years old, 10, 11, maybe for Christmas, we got Madden 08 which had Brett Favre in the cover. And this is after he retired. So the, the cover is him in his Packers jersey. And I remember right before they, like, announced it for Christmas, Brett Favre was like, I'm going to the Jets. So they had – you could print out a cover of Brett Favre in a Jets uniform. And I remember, remember we did that on Christmas morning, which I, like – it's stupid, but it's also one of there's just this weird, like, funny, good memories. Because mom's like, he's not a Packer anymore. He needed the Jets one. 
I'm pretty sure in black and white too, which is even just more stupid, but it's, whatever. It's like the one 2K where Kyrie got traded so you can get him on the Cavs or you can get him on the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, I do want to say though, I think it's pretty funny that people, people don't hate on Brett Favre too much for, for, or excuse me, people, people give Brett Favre a lot of crap for retiring and unretiring and all that crap at the end of his career, but they don't do that to Michael Jordan. I'm Michael, just going to leave that there. I don't oh, want to open that up. I'm just oh, going to leave that there. I will make a few points about this. First and foremost, Brett Favre retired twice. I know Michael Jordan did as well. In Brett Favre's case, that man took a lot of hits. He was the definition of a QB in a body bag. He was rough and tough and took a lot of shots. So it made sense when he retired the first time. He comes back to play for the Jets of all teams, goes like eight and eight, seven and nine, retires again. Is like, I'm going to go to my rival Vikings. You know, played for season, tires again. Fine. Michael Jordan's dad was murdered. And he's like, maybe I should take a step away. That's okay. Yeah. I'm more so talking about with the Wizards. To People defend like the Wizards thing. That part of his career. And that is part of his career that is mostly a negative people do forget that it's where he lost his consecutive 20 game 20 no 10 point game streak it was mm-hmm. he had it for his entire career lost it because of that and then dropped like 40 the next night what i will say though about the wizards and this doesn't you know he came back not the best look he did get like part ownership of that team it wasn't said publicly but like definitely got part ownership so yeah, trade-offs and he still was the best player in the Wizards, so. Eh. Drop dropping dropping twenty plus as like a, a forty year old. That's not bad. That's wild. This is pretty good. All right, back to football though. Back to football. Back to football. And maybe the game of the week, one of the games of the week at the very least. Uh, Kansas City narrowly defeating the Cleveland Browns. The Browns gave the Chiefs a really good run for their money. Like I was giving the Browns a lot of like hesitation and shade at the beginning of the year. And to be honest, I was very impressed with how well they played despite not having Odell Beckham out on the field. Um, they paced the game with their running attack between Chubb and Hunt, um, sprinkling in some Jarvis Landry who who rushed into the end zone this week. Um, and they were leading for most of the game. And then they, they blew the lead, got a field goal late, but Kansas city held in their offense, more or less unstoppable as the Browns defense was not, not existent, just not even on the field to be completely honest. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill had their way as they do with most teams, but there's the, you know, that was the, the, the offense for the Browns looked like what we hoped it would. And the defense looked exactly like what I expected it to again, Week one, and it was the Chiefs, but either way, Kansas City continuing their streak. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has ever lost in the first month of the season as nope. a starting quarterback. Nope. And but so 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 ridiculous for Kansas City. But I do want to say like Cleveland didn't play as bad as I expected them to. I, I did just shit on their defense a little bit because their defense has some work to, to do. Oh, yeah, 100%. But they, they truly did impress me. The way they used their two running backs, the way they incorporated um, a, a, a hybrid guy like Jarvis Landry into the offense more than just passing, five for five in receptions, but two rushes for 13 yards and a touchdown. They worked in two different tight ends between Hooper and Njoku. They impressed me on offense. They impressed me in their ability to keep with the Kansas City Chiefs. But at the end of the day, they are two teams that are very, very similar, and the Chiefs are just the better build of that team. Yeah, I mean, 
I was impressed with the Browns as well, but I think we saw why the Chiefs are favored in the AFC. And despite being down by a few scores, they came roaring back and won, and they did it fast and you know very excitingly. So they're going to be scary. Patrick Mahomes, like you said, hasn't lost in the month of September ever. It's they're the same Chiefs team we expected them to be. If they can improve their defense, but granted, like the running attack and O line of the Browns is something special. So that's probably partially the reason the Chiefs couldn't really do a whole lot. I think if that defense though improves, like they're going to be almost impossible to stop. Oh, 100%. We'll see how they, what they do, what adjustments they can make as the season goes on. All right. Matt Stafford made his debut for the LA Rams and looked sensational as he crushed the Chicago Bears on Sunday night football to open up the season. Um, Bears fans. I did not look good. Dalton looked bad. Fields looked bad. Montgomery looked good. That was, that was it. The defense didn't look good. Stafford tore him apart. Stafford was kind of question, like not questionable in terms of the game, but he wasn't looking the best, the most comfortable right off the bat. But then he gets that long one to Van Jefferson and the, the script completely flips and he starts just going on a tear over 300 yards, over three touchdowns. The dude tore the Bears apart. And the Bears, a far cry from what they were a few years ago defensively, but still a solid defensive team. No match for the Rams. Um, did this make you feel more confident in the idea that the Rams are going to win this division? Yeah, a thousand times over. Despite the fact the Bears suck, the Rams look phenomenal and – that's plug and play with Matt Stafford. They had a great core around Jared Goff. Now they got a great quarterback. So, Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl with Goff, so we will see what happens now. Um, fantastic first, uh, first game for the Rams. Then on Monday night, a thriller between the Raiders and the Ravens went to overtime. Ryan Nassib, the storyline being, of course, in the offseason, the first openly gay player in the NFL – forces what turned into the game-winning fumble as the Raiders recovered and then kicked a field goal to end the game 27-24. to 24. Baltimore, obviously the running back issues made things different, diffi- more difficult to start the year, but the Raiders hung in there. They played their game. Brian Edwards looked great as the number one over Henry Ruggs, and Josh Jacobs played well. Kenyon Drake did, you know, got his touches. The Raiders, honestly, a surprising, surprising first first game. But they were that team that I was like, if they can gain some ground there, that they, you know, if the team like the Dolphins or the Steelers struggle a little bit, they could sneak in there as one of those extra wild card seeds. And this this proving it beating a, a team like the Ravens that could also potentially be in that mix down the road. And now they own the tiebreaker over them. I want to pump the brakes on the Raiders a little bit just because that was a sloppy game. Yes. And on the flip side, Lamar Jackson, I don't know who was in his ear. Man tried to be a pocket pass the entire game, and it worked every other down, basically. He did not look great as a pocket passer. You know, still showed off his mobility and looked great in that regard. I mean, dude's one of the fastest people I've seen on TV. The – I don't know. The game wasn't good. Like I woke up the next morning to a million notifications saying like how bizarre the game was. You have what should have been a touchdown in overtime. Like the Raiders shouldn't have even had that drama. 
then a direct pass to the guy's helmet bonks off his head, interception. Lamar Jackson fumble, and then a field goal to just, you know, or no, sorry, touchdown. It was a weird 35-yard touchdown where Marlon Humphrey just gave up halfway through. I don't know. I'm not sold on either team. I think if I had to put money on which team would be better, I think it would be the Ravens. But, yeah, it was. it's a weird game. I mean, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's the headline. Raiders win. The other game I do want to talk about, though, unless you want to say something about this game. Oh, uh, no. No, you pretty much said it. Um, it yeah, was there were sloppy. There other games we hadn't got to yet, uh, but I was saving them at the end because there were some injuries involved. But you Oh, go uh, ahead. Take it. No, I was, I was going to get to – I want to talk about the counterpart of the 49ers game. Just... Okay, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get to the Niners in a second here. There were a couple other games that happened on Sunday that I saved to the end because the, re, the biggest part about it was mostly the injuries that occurred. First, the Broncos and the Giants. First for the Giants, Saquon making his return in a limited capacity did not look good. 10 for 26 yards and one catch for one yard. Good to see him back. He'll probably be limited again tomorrow, which would be Thursday against Washington. Um, hopefully we see him slowly work back to full health and, and full capacity. Um, but the big one for the Broncos, Tay Bridgewater's first game in Denver was great, but the top receiver, Jerry Judy is going to miss a month to a month and a half with an ankle injury. Not ideal as Cortland Sutton didn't look very good in week one, but Tim Patrick stepped up. They have some decent receivers. So we'll see if they're going to able, they're going to be able to keep their heads above water. Von Miller's back. That's always huge for them, but we're not expecting too terribly much out of the Denver Broncos this year. Yeah, but good for showing. The Giants clearly stuck. Yep. Daniel Jones looked awful. Yep. Broncos looked – I mean, serviceable. looked better than last year, and that's kind of important. Jerry Judy should be out six weeks or so. You know, not a great injury by any means, but, you know, not out for the season. So, optimism exactly. there. All right. The Chargers defeated the Washington football team in week one, but bigger news for the football team. Starting quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down – He's out, I believe it's eight weeks at the moment, could be longer. Taylor Heineke set to take over the starting uh, starting quarterback position as he did for the playoffs last year. Honestly, I'm a big fan of Heineke. I've I've made this as clear as I could possibly say. I think he's the better option, to be completely honest. And I, I just, I think he's that hybrid running passing quarterback that teams covet. And he's maybe not the best at it, but he just fits the modern NFL and he fits the way that their, uh, their, their team likes to work. I think McLaurin's going to do better with him than Fitzpatrick. I think um, their offense is just going to flow a little nicer. And honestly, I, I, I think I, the football team is the other team to consider when you really talk about the division winners of the NFC East. And I actually do think Heineke gives them the better chance anyway. So He's younger. I would tend to give Washington the benefit of the doubt, though, if they chose Fitzpatrick to start over Heineke. But – I mean, it's a better option than what they had last year. I mean, it's better than Dwayne Haskins, per se. I think better than Kyle Allen as well. We'll Don't see. You know my backup quarterback. I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I think they still have a great defense. I think Heineke is going to be your best shot. And a little more exciting, explosive, more mobility. So, time will tell with that. Oh, yes, it will. And as you mentioned, the last game that we got to talk to today or talk about today from this past week, the 49ers beat the Detroit Lions. The Lions made a spirited comeback at the end of that game. 41-33, the final score just got down a little too far too early to, to really come back. But Goff played he played amazing in his first game with the Lions, over 320 yards, 330 yards, I think, actually. 
incredible numbers from him. But the bigger story in the 49ers win, starting running back Raheem Mostert, as you probably could have guessed, and then also starting corner Jason Verrett, both out for the year. Initially, Mostert was going to miss six to eight weeks. Now it is confirmed he's out for the rest of the season. This was the team hit hardest by the injury bug last year. Mostert, an injury-prone player already. Verrett, this is another one piling up now for him as well. This is what I was concerned about with the 49ers. It was not their ability and their talent level. It was their their, their consistency in terms of health. And that's what's been missing and lacking these last few years, and especially last season, and is not a good start to this year. I do expect this team to finish last place in their division because of this issue. We'll see. I mean, this is the best Jimmy, division in football, though. I understand. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't look great. Trey Lance, you know, people are also overreacting to Trey Lance throwing one pass for a touchdown. It's, it's the Lions. Let's relax. Jeff Kuda got burned the entirety of Sunday. Maybe, but I, I don't know. There's still a lot of optimism. They still have their defense intact. They have a three-headed running back attack. Losing Mostert, definitely – a negative, but you still have other backs you can lean on. I'm going to wait a little bit, but they still have a really good team. I wouldn't put them as my favorite to win the West. I still like them. A little bit of optimism for the Lions, too. They did make a spirited comeback, but I still think they're going to be like you know, five, six wins. I do not think they'll be good either. Goff looked all right. You put up good stats. He wasn't good until he started making that comeback, though. And, you know, that's obviously how things are. When the 49ers put in their backups, even a guy like Jared Goff will rip them apart. Yeah, 100%. So that's how I feel about that. That is week one in a nutshell. So if you missed any of those games, you know, hopefully you liked our uh, commentary on those. But tomorrow's week two. I know. Fast and furious, literally. So we're going to do the old spirited. We're going to run through some of these games, give very quick reasonings. We still have another segment to get to. So tomorrow night's game, Giants at the Washington football team. Robbie, who wins that game? Football team. I agree. Football team, I'd say by 10 points. I was going to say by like seven. because Sure, why not? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Raiders at Steelers. Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. In, a, in a closer game than people expect because the Steelers play at the level of their competition. 49ers at Eagles. Eagles. I think Eagles cover. I think 49ers win, though. I That's I a tough one. That's higher I, on the Eagles than I probably should be, but I'm also lower on the 49ers than I definitely should be. Fair enough. All right. So I'm going to. So the Eagles spread. Brought to you by Vigit, obviously. Uh, plus three and a half. I'm going to say the Eagles plus three and a half. Is, that's, that's the one to go with. All right. Bengals at Bears. That's disgusting. Bengals. Bears. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't feel good about picking the Bengals, but I, I think the Bengals will win. Okay, good to know. That, that's a, that's a toss-up. Good luck to you if you bet that game you're degenerate. <laughs> Patriots at Jets, Patriots minus six. Patriots at Jets, Patriots minus six. I'll say Patriots. I think Patriots by 21. <laughs> I think they killed the, Je- they kill the Jets. <laughs> Probably. Mac Jones is coming out, Barty. Rams at Colts, Rams minus four. 
Rams by more than anyone else. <laughs> Rams by a million. <laughs> Rams by what's the what's the score at halftime in Space Jam? <laughs> I remember, but yeah, that that that's the score. And then the Colts come back and win, like team sure. squad. No, I think the Rams win that. I feel confident yeah. minus four. Saints at Panthers, Saints minus three. I think Saints by like twenty. Yeah, Saints looked good in Week One. I'd, I'd pick them all the way. This one's a little intriguing, not because of the game, but by the spread. Texans at Browns, Browns minus twelve and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I would take the Texans in the spread, but the Browns are going to win that football game. The Browns will win that game. I kind of still think the Browns are going to cover two touchdowns. Weirdly it's, enough, it's definitely possible. It's just like can. Can Houston keep up any amount of the offense that they found in week one? Yeah. All right. Bills at Dolphins. Bills minus three and a half. Bills are going to – they're, they're going to show the Dolphins how far away from the playoffs they are right now. I think the Bills will win by like four. I think they'll cover. I would tend to just bet the under in this game. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Like I think two is not going to do a whole lot. I think Josh Allen will put up some yards, but – We'll see it in terms of points. I'm going to say Bills and under. Broncos at Jaguars. Broncos minus six. What the hell? I'm it feels like a week six uh, Thursday night football game. Yeah. yeah it does. But I'll, I'll say Broncos. I'm going to say Broncos, too. I feel like we need a bit of time to see Trevor Lawrence. The, the Jaguars are my other candidate for the worst team in the league this year. But I think they'll win a couple at the end. Oh, you're gonna like this one. Great. Falcons at Bucks. Bucks minus twelve and a half. Bucks minus seventy. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> I'm like torn. I know the Bucks will win, but also like, there's gonna be this it's gonna be a weird game where Matt Ryan just looks good. Let me let me remind you of something that it is Tom Brady versus the Atlanta Falcons. I understand, but he always keeps those games close for whatever reason. That's why. Whatever. He'll Whatever. win. He'll win that game. Bucks though. by 50. All right. Vikings at Cardinals. Cardinals minus four. Stop. I'm not joking. Cardinals minus four. Cardinals. Car- well, okay. The thing is, this is one of those games that, like, the Vikings could keep it close because it's just randomly one of those teams that they're going to match up kind of okay against. But after that week one performance by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, like, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. I will, I will go Cardinals uh, cover here. I say Cardinals cover. It's Patrick Peterson's revenge game, though, so keep that in mind. Maybe he'll have some something to say about Kyler Murray. Yeah. One thing, though, I said this for weeks. Kyler Murray is inconsistent. This is the game where, like, we could watch Kyler Murray. Like, he should win by a million, and this is one of those games where he could lose. So I want to see if he made that jump before I start to, like, either should talk him or you know praise him for how good he is so this is that trap game probably the best game i've seen so far titans at seahawks seahawks minus five and a half Hmm. i'm still gonna say seahawks though i think the titans are a little bit worse than we thought i'm gonna take the titans because i think this is one of this is going to be a good day for derrick henry they don't the seahawks don't really have anybody that can stop him this is going to be an offensive heavy game but 
it's going to lie on the shoulders of the what can the receivers for Tennessee do? What can Tannehill do? Is neither of them look very good in week one? Henry just needs to find his, his legs and needs to find some running room. Fair enough. I that that should be an, a good, interesting game. So definitely recommend watching that one. But who knows? The last Sunday midday game, Cowboys at Chargers. Chargers minus three and a half. I'm going to say the Cowboys at least cover, if not win. I, I was going to say the Cowboys definitely cover. I think they're also going to win. I don't like the Chargers. I don't think they're very good. I think Herbert's very overrated. Fair enough. Sunday night game, Chiefs at Ravens. Chiefs minus three and a half. It's a great game. Um, but Chiefs. Chiefs, I'd agree. You have to. Yeah. And then last but not least, what could be a – Phenomenal game or a horrible one. Lions at Packers spread. I don't know. I hate it. I, I'm going to pick the Packers because I should pick the Packers. But I hope to all, all the almighty football gods that the Lions win this game and Aaron Rodgers gets, gets even more pissed off. This, this is a Packers win. This has... Hail Mary or game-winning field goal written all over by the Packers. Just <laughs> yeah, it does. So those are week two picks. Use Vigit. You know, win yourself a PS5. Why don't you? Use our code All Stars. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting week two games. Some of those could be better matchups than we thought. You know, we'll find out. Last segment of the day: buy it or sell it. Pretty simple. There are a lot of I call them upsets in the sense that probably some teams that had a lot of success last year didn't really carry over into week one. A lot of upsets in that regard. So I'm going to give you a few teams. I want you to say if you're buying into them being good or if like, you know, get away, like sell them, like yep. get off. Let's do it. Hit me with them. So <laughs> first and foremost, are you buying that the Cincinnati Bengals will be not to say they'll win the division. I don't think they will, but are you buying that they'll be a reasonably good team this year? They will be better. I don't know how to put it because, like, I expect them to be a little worse than they are, but I think – what are they probably expected to win? Like six games? Probably six. I think they could realistically go around – I know you can't go 500, but, like, that eight and nine. I don't know if they go to nine and eight. That would be a lot, but I, I don't know. I think they might surprise – some teams especially like they have a relatively tough schedule but some of their easier games i think they might actually fare pretty well in because they're they're not a bad team by any means oh yeah i would tend to agree with that i think there's a little bit of growing pains but they look good yeah yeah and burrow's like the guy that should be handling the ship so all right next one this wasn't a win but are you Buying into the idea that the Browns are going to be good this year. No, I've made that very clear. Even, I, but even after they showed up without some horrible defensive miscues, they showed up against the AFC champions from last year. I just look, they're going to probably make the playoffs this year. I don't expect them to like flop by any means this year, but like I said, I don't expect them to have as successful of a season. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think that's really the biggest thing I'm trying to say here is I think you need to watch out for Baltimore. You need to watch out for Pittsburgh because those are the two teams that are going to be riding this Browns team all season. And look, that's, that's a lot of games that they play against each other. That's a lot of opportunities that these two teams love to take to just 
beat up on Cleveland. And I don't know. I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to lose a lot of division games this year. I'm buying the fact that they're going to kick some ass in their division. Hmm. They're not going to win the AFC, but I'm buying into the Browns. After what, after what I saw Sunday, they're scary. That run game is second to none. It is elite. It, it is maybe the best tandem we've seen in, in a long time. Fun one. Are you buying into the Arizona Cardinals? course i'm buying into the arizona cardinals they're gonna win that division what are you talking about this team this has regular season team written all <laughs> over it in my opinion they, these guys are gonna go 14 and 3 and they're gonna get blown out in the second round of the playoffs by like the the dallas cowboys or something i am not buying into the arizona Cardinals. i, I could see not. them getting a wild card i'm not buying into them i know they had a great showing Something about it, though, like, Kyler Murray, I still think is inconsistent. I can't explain why, but just trust me on this. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be iffy. And, like, they'll win some games that look spectacular and some look awful in the others. Yeah, Kyler Murray should just play baseball. <laughs> no, he actually should have played in the NFL. <laughs> All right. We talked about the Chargers. That was one other. I – I'm like, I'm if you're gonna charge, I think they'll be decent. I don't think they're gonna be like they're not gonna win the West. That's you know, we'll kind of leave it at that. <sighs> Are you buying into the New England Patriots? Can they be a wild card team? No, I think they might be a little better than we anticipated, but I don't think they're gonna they're they're another like maybe like eight wins, maybe nine wins. Um, they're, they're a team that I think is going to find their legs in the second half of the season once Mac Jones starts to get a little more comfortable in his position. But until then, I mean, we're just going to see them right around that, that 500, maybe a little bit below Mark pretty much all year. All right, two more. Are you buying into the Las Vegas Raiders? No. <laughs> no. You're, like you said, it was a very sloppy, messy game. Um, I don't think Gruden is a very good coach. I don't think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. But I, I see the potential in the Raiders. I think they're a couple roster moves away. But they're fine. I wouldn't buy into them too much quite yet, though. I will buy into this fact, though. I bet you they will take one game from the Chiefs. I could see that. They're usually the team that beats the Chiefs once. They were the team that beat them last year. They played them close in, I think it was a Sunday night game, if not a Monday. But, yeah, they are dangerous. Put up a 40 spot on them last year. Yep. Uh, sorry, I have two more, actually, not one more. Do you buy into the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston eating W's all day? A little bit, yeah. I think I do. I – you know, it was interesting because, like I said, he didn't throw for many yards, like only like 160-some. But five touchdowns, I mean, this teams can still score. Run base with Kamara, but this is this is a good team. They'll get Michael Thomas back about halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah, I think the Saints are going to make a run for a wild card. Maybe not for the division with the Buccaneers, but they're they're going to make some noise. They're, they're going to be the other team from that division that, that has a shot at the playoff spot. I do buy into them. I think kind of what we talked about last week where they're cusping wild card. I think they are a wild card team. 
I think Jameis Winston is going to have, well, obviously worse games, but like, you know, two, three interception games. I think that defense though holds them in place and is going to be very competitive. They, they're locked down. And that's not just to say, cause they stopped Aaron Rodgers. They've been like this for the past two, three years since they were in the NFC championship. I buy into the saints, not to say they'll win the division, but they're gonna be a tough team to beat. They haven't skipped a beat since Drew Brees retired. And finally, for all of us, do you – no, it's not who you think. It's do you buy into the Philadelphia Eagles, Robbie? It's exactly who I thought. Oh, and I thought you wanted the yes. Steelers. No, I already stated about the Steelers. I know you did. I absolutely buy into the Philadelphia Eagles. And for the first and foremost reason, they have maybe the easiest schedule I've ever seen. <laughs> That's okay. That it is, is true. It is an absolute – dog shit of a joke it is so easy the eagles looked great in an awful week one matchup um they're young they're gonna lose games they shouldn't they're gonna win games they shouldn't but this eagles team despite being in my opinion the the third best team in their division is actually gonna have a chance to win the whole thing because they just lucked out with a pretty easy schedule not not to discredit them but this is gonna go a long if this goes well for them this is gonna go a long way for hertz and smith because they're the young guys that ha- are about to have the offense built around them. Sanders as well, but those the, the quarterback receiver is always the big duo, in my opinion. And Smith especially has a chance to be one of the elite receivers in, in, in football in a couple of years. This could be a very fun year for Eagles fans. This could also, as we know, be a very disappointing year for Eagles fans. But after that performance, after taking a look at the schedule and after how comfortable Smith and Hurts felt, and looked and how solid the defense looked despite against the rough Falcons team. I would buy in. I I, I know you're going to be hesitant because you're, you don't want to get your hopes up too much, but your team excited me. And I haven't been excited by the Eagles since they won a goddamn Super Bowl. And honestly, it was only for the playoff run because Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. And yes, I do mean that. Do you buy into the Eagles? I will not buy into them. There's a few reasons. First and foremost, as a Philly fan for 20 years of my life, you know, I was three when I started watching football with my dad. I refuse to, you cannot get excited about the Eagles until like the clock hits zero type deal. The Eagles are known for ripping my heart out. And that's, that's what happens when you watch them for two decades. What I will say though, there's optimism, obviously in Philly and Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Dante Smith, a young core. I'm excited for them now. They, they will beat an awful Falcons team. But like I've preached past few weeks, this is the type of win that would get everyone excited about it, but we don't know how consistent they can be, how they can be sustained. Last year they beat the NFC South winning Saints. Granted, they lost to the Bucs, but – that was a juggernaut of a team. To me, I think they're going to, like you said, they're going to win some games they probably had no business of winning. They're going to lose some games they probably should have won. I think they're heading in the right direction. This year is an up year rather than a down year again. I'm going to hold on a whole judgment. I think they can be very competitive for the NFC East. I need to see what they do against Washington. If they can beat Washington, then I'll be excited. But if they can't be Washington, they're not winning the division. And they, they will continue to be like a 6-11 and 11 team. You, you lost both games to Washington last year, right? Yeah, I mean, the last game of the season, we, we 
not yeah. through. But, but Washington is a good hump to get over. Where they're not the best team in the league, they are a top-tier defense, and they are a competitive team. If you can beat them twice, you're going to be in a very good position. I agree. Well, there you have it, folks. Those are our bold predictions for what these these upset teams are going to bring for, for the upcoming NFL season. With that, we're going to end our episode here today. We want to shout out all of our fans on social media as we finally broke 1,000 Twitter followers. We appreciate all of the support that you guys have given us. Truly, this was a very proud accomplishment for us as we have just crossed the year threshold. So thank you for all the support. We will continue to give out the, the weekly sports reports that you have come to enjoy so much and all the funny banter that you could possibly wish for. On that note, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and have a fantastic rest of your week. We'll be back with more NFL, more baseball updates, college football, maybe even a few more basketball trades to the Lakers and the Nets. Who knows? It's wild these days. That's pretty much where everybody goes. So with that, have a fantastic rest of your night. Before we go, yes, I know I'm going to preemptively continue. Uh, so a little bit unsports related, definitely has a bit of ties to it, but uh, Norm McDonald, comedian, passed away yesterday after a 10-year battle of cancer. Uh, he hosted the ESPYs, so that's our little tie into sports. But to me, it's a little bit more of a personal connection to Numb, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, if you think I'm funny in any regard, a lot of the humor I've picked up and definitely the comedian I looked up to growing up was Norm McDonald, among others. Remember sitting with my dad when I was young, watching SNL, you know, doing his, you know, whether it's Burt Reynolds or you're doing his impressions or just listening to him do stand up or funny videos. He passed away as one of my favorite comedians. Highly recommend looking up video compilations of him on YouTube. He got me through a lot of tough times, you know, times that where I was just sad, especially during the pandemic. So we lost a good one yesterday, but uh, yeah. Make sure to smile, make sure to laugh, make sure to cry a little like Jimmy V says. Oh, yeah. But uh, take care, guys. See you next week.